listen up. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the podcast participants and not to any participants, employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. You know, for fun. So lighten up and enjoy. Stomping Jen. Yes. Hello again. Oh, hi. It's really great to see you. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Yeah, I'm excited. We have a really interesting guest on. We do? Yes. Tell um, me about it. Jesse Cushenberry, who is the creator of um, a company called Visionary Foods, right? Which is focused on offering um, healthy foods and CBD products. And also uh, the creator of this program, this health program called Six Weeks to Transformation. Mm. Right. We're going to talk to Jesse about this. And Jesse has a degree in kinesiology. What? Yeah. Kinesiology. Um, I, I don't know how to say anything. I just told you how is to say it. Kinesiology? Yes. Okay, we'll ask Jesse. She knows. Um, <laughs> she also has a minor in nutrition, okay? And she's mm-hmm. been a, a personal trainer uh, focusing on healthy eating habits and natural solutions to health for, for, for a long time. Excellent. So she's a real expert here. Excellent. And um, I could probably use some of this information. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I was looking at my time today walking. It's not good. Right. My pace and pace. my heart rate. We have to have some conversations with Jesse, okay? All right. Sounds Are good. Are you ready? I am. Okay. Um, well, here we go. Creamy, delicious ideas without the creepy truck. Stomping Jen. Oh, it's a singing night. It's a singing night. My walking pace today was only 16 minutes and 20 seconds. That's pretty good. Not my goal walking pace. What's your goal walking pace? 15 minutes and 30 seconds. That's pretty... It was a whole minute off. That's pretty fast. Was Is it? All right, know. let's ask Jesse. Hi, Jesse. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Sorry to subject you to that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, 15 minutes, you got some hustles. You got a little pep in your step at a 15-minute pace, so... You could probably throw like a little jog every 30 seconds in there and then you get your, you're there. It's funny you say that. I have been doing that um, the last couple of weeks. I've been, so I've been trying to like run a mile and, or, you know, like do a little kind of, I think they call that interval interval stuff. Um, But today I couldn't, it was too hot. It was was like 90 degrees today. And this is the first like super hot day we've had. So I wasn't ready. Yeah, it was a scorcher in the Northeast, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm. Now, where are you from? You have a bit of an accent, may I ask? Okay, so I am a hybrid now because I grew up with in Amherst, Massachusetts. Oh, cool. So up I, in our neck of the woods. Yes, and I flew the coop when I was 18 years mm. old. I heard 
going south where it was nice and warm was probably my ideal life. So that's what I did. And I looked for one of the top exercise science programs in the United States. And that landed me at the University of Georgia. And I've never left. And now you can hear it in my voice. <laughs> yeah, never- for sure. That's yeah. crazy. You know, I was I spent a couple of years in the army, and when I left, I emerged with a bit of a a, a twang to Did my you? speech. It's gone now. It's way gone. But mm. yeah, a little bit. Um, That's so interesting. Yeah, you do pick that up. Well, um, how are things in Georgia today? You doing okay? Georging. Sure. <laughs> but believe it or not, you guys were warmer than we were today. Oh, I no believe it. No kidding. Yeah. 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 All yes. right. Well, help clear something up, Jesse. Um, I mentioned you had a degree in something, and Stomping Jen says I mispronounced it. What is the correct way to say this word? Stomping Jen for the win. <laughs> <laughs> Score one and. <laughs> oh, because I knew how to say the word. Okay, so it's it's kinesiology. Yeah. It's okay. Easy. All right. So help us understand what is kinesiology and what is this thing you studied. This thing, this magical thing, also known as exercise science, hmm. it's basically the study of the human body under the conditions of exercise. So we do all the anatomy and the physiology of the body and then how it exercise impacts all of the functioning of the body. Hmm. Okay. What? So that's like hooking, um, hooking people up to like treadmills and measuring their response to things like a stress test, right? Like when you go for like a cardiac stress test, that would, is that a kinesiology like technique? Yes. That is something that fell under the degree. And let me tell you, we would zap the crap out of each other. We would (laughs) on each other. You had a bunch of hoodlums like testing each other. It was pretty crazy stuff. (laughs) Now, how did you get, how did you get interested in this? Why did you want to study it? Yeah. So, believe it or not, my mom assigned every single classroom and every square inch of space at UMass Amherst when I was growing up. And so, I literally lived on the UMass campus, and she would bring me to the exercise science lab because I was very athletic, and I just thought it was fascinating as hell. I'm like, okay, this, this is my future. Mm. Uh, they had like all the probes and they were doing some testing, I think on Nike shoes at the time. And I'm like, okay, this is my future. This is where I need to be. So I knew that. And then given what she did, we also had good contacts at all of the universities in the country from people who are her cohorts at different places. So I got into the labs down at UGA and different places I was looking and when I walked onto the campus at UGA, I was like, okay, this is the place. Athens feels like Amherst of the South. Oh, wow. Like I knew I was home. And I'm very intuitive. And I was like, this is it. Yep. Check. Cool. So when you started studying uh, kinesiology, were there any surprises in there for you? Like, was it surprising to you what it entailed? Like the study of exercise and science? I was impressed with the the amount of things being studied and looked at on a you know micro level. Just looking out from the inside, you don't realize 
how many functions of the body literally take place on a minute level, literally every single minute of the day. Yeah. And on that note, I'm going to go off on a tangent for a minute, but a lot of times we beat ourselves up for doing this, doing that, and we forget to appreciate the fact that our body runs a freaking supercomputer every single minute of the day and appreciating what it does do for us. Yeah. yeah. And uh, here's too gray eyebrows are funky. I don't know what, but we forget to appreciate how much our body does do. Yeah. Are there, are there ways or techniques that you've incorporated into your life that help you pause and appreciate that? Is it like any like, mindfulness techniques or like how do you how do you remind yourself of that i spend a lot of time in mindful practice um one of the most fascinating authors i think that brings the science plus the woohoo <laughs> a little of the spirituality side of things and how meditation works with us is joe dispenza um I think he's the most fascinating human. Um, he was in an accident. He was a chiropractor. Doctors told him he wasn't going to walk again, all this, that, and the other. And you have no hope unless you have all these surgeries. And he said, well, that's not going to work for me. So he was literally laying in a bed paralyzed. And he said, well, I might as well meditate. And he literally meditated himself better. Huh. So now he teaches it. But he hooks like EEGs up and he measures the electromagnetic fields of a room when he puts a room full of people under meditation in his retreats. And literally the electromagnetic field of a room changes. So anybody who's interested in really going on a tangent, you can get his stuff on YouTube, read his books. You Are the Placebo is a great book. Um, or breaking the habit of being yourself. So those are how I bridge. And literally when I get in the car, I don't meditate like, um, I hope not. not <laughs> yeah. Self-driving car, but in the morning on the way to my first client or first couple, I just put on like binaural beats. You can look those up too. Um, they're very healing. I put binaural beats in and I just be. Yeah. For mm. better, but I just be while I drive. I pay attention and I stop at stoplights, but I just be. And then the rest of the day I'm rocking up to my music, but <laughs> I spend that first like hour or so when I'm driving in between people doing that. And that's how I kind of center myself so that I can give to, I'm a giver, I'm a creator. And that's how I give to everybody else during the day or those minutes as I drive. Yeah. So on that note too, I understand, and this is just my philosophy and teaching anyway, I understand that people don't have an hour to sit and meditate plus an hour to exercise plus hours to food prep. So make, Time that you already have devoted to, I hate to say multitask, because you need to pay attention when you drive and everything like that, but 
you also don't have to be thinking about all the meetings and all the things and listening to the news that's all bad. Just take that time that you're already isolated. Yeah. Take advantage of it. That's important, I think. Um, I've stopped listening to news altogether. Yeah. I like read it like once in the morning when I wake up and when I go to bed. But like throughout the day, like I don't listen to it when I'm walking around or I don't check it during the day because Jesse, it's like like you said, it's like it's mostly usually bad. It's mostly usually bad news, and it's um, I find it brings me down, mm. and I can like focus and be present more in the stuff I'm doing, um, or engage in those more replenishing things like listening to music or a podcast. If I'm not like listening to news or something, I don't know. This is this is just what I do, Stomping Jen. Okay, a, a change I've made. Um, so Jesse, I want okay. So we um, we know you studied um, exercise science, which is called kinesiology. I learned something, Stomping Jen. How did you get interested in nutrition? Like, where did and you have a minor in this? So where did that interest come from? Well, they do go hand in hand. That's true. But I actually really got interested in it. During my exercise science program, but it was more of an eye-opening moment, I guess, for me. I grew up in the era where you carved up with pasta the night before a game. You had the pasta party the night before a game. Yeah. And you ate the bagel from Brugger's. <laughs> if it's still there, I don't know, but you had the honey wheat. With all the honey drizzled on it, and that's what you did before a game and and all that. And my body composition was sort of stuck in a place I didn't love it. Now, I am very muscular, um, but I wasn't as lean as I would have liked to be. And a friend of mine in college who was also in exercise science was like, you got to cut the carbs out. And I'm like, huh? No, you're supposed to carve up before everything. Don't you know this? And he's like, no, read this book. It's not what you think. And I was like, okay, let me try. And my body responded really well. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. Let me look more into it. So that's how the nutrition side of things came about. And I want to put a caveat in that. Also, the way that I teach is not keto, per se. What is keto? I've heard that word so many times. And like, I'm not even sure I really understand what it means, Stomping Jen. Mm, I don't know. Yeah. Well, hold on. Let me um, explain a little bit, too. So when I say low carb, I think that our bodies, this is again my philosophy, and I always encourage 100% people to research above and beyond what they hear from me. I'm just disseminating information that I have learned from these researchers and reading articles and everything like that, but I strongly encourage somebody to take my words and go, oh, that's interesting. I'd like to look deeper. Yeah. And this is just your philosophy you're talking to us about. Yeah. So our bodies are meant to handle carbohydrates and they use the glucose from that 
as well as fats, which we use ketones for that. So carbohydrates break down into glucose, fat breaks down into ketones, and that's the actual fuel that goes into the engine. Okay. Or the ketones. So when you hear somebody say keto, that is a state of ketosis, which your body is running primarily on fat for fuel. Does that make sense? Yes. Break it down a little bit. Yeah. And you do have a lot of people who are in the keto, quote unquote, the keto space who won't even eat a single carb or are afraid they're going to have too much protein, which gets broken down into glucose in the long run in your body, which it does. But I think that is also an unhealthy end of the spectrum. I think our bodies are meant to be in able to go back and forth and one extreme and the other is not good right and I- the general population has such a high level of disease it's truly breaking my heart but a lot of that stems from constant barrage like a tsunami of glucose all the time and because of that our body's so busy trying to handle all of that, it doesn't even remember that it can use fat for fuel. Yeah, and where does all this glucose come from? Like, where is it? Where where is it? Where are people getting it? Basically, all of our foods. Um, pretty much anything that's a bread, pasta, rice, fruits, vegetables, all of that has, breaks down into sugar breaks down into the glucose some of it breaks down faster than others and like a a berry is what i do recommend um in my programs and working with people a berry has super high nutrition but is also a carbohydrate but it's a value so you get more bang for your buck if you're going to eat a berry there is zero nutrition in bread so it's so delicious, if, though. It is, so delicious, <laughs> but yeah, um, not good for your body. And there is something amazing called fathead dough <laughs> that you can make into bagels. You make into pizza. It is made with mozzarella cheese. And let me tell you, holy crap, you will never go back to regular pizza again. Unless you're in Brooklyn, I'll give you a pass if you're in Brooklyn. <laughs> but uh, and I'll eat it when I'm in Brooklyn. Okay, just saying. Um, but there's definitely ways around it. And once my philosophy is to teach the body to remember the cinnamon roll that it ate ten years ago and stuck on your ass. Go ahead and burn it. But then, if you have a day that you're in Brooklyn and you eat the pizza and you eat the bagel, it's fine because your body by the next day will flip back into fat burning. But you have to take a short period of time to really, it's almost like detoxing off of alcohol. Yeah. You kind of have to take the glucose away from your body for a little bit, and it might throw a little bit of a, like, whoa, what the hell are we doing here? But then it learns to use the fat again. 
And then you can flip back and forth like we're meant to do. Are we talking like days, weeks? Like I, I stopped drinking like, oh God, it'd be three years ago this fall, I think somewhere around there or three years ago this winter. And I, it did take me like a couple of weeks to a month before I felt like it was out of my system. I don't know how to describe it before I felt like I was past having it in me or something. I don't know. The alcohol you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So in my program, Six Weeks of Transformation, the first week is the hardest week because we have to be pretty um, intense in switching you over. But literally after the first five days, people have so much energy. They're sleeping better. You know when you were running on fat. You almost feel like you're on speed. Brain fog goes away. Your energy is through the roof. Um, if I have any mothers out there listening, that moment when you're nesting, when you're pregnant and you clean, like the baseboards, the fridge, the literally everything you can find to clean, that's how much energy you have. Is like nesting when you're pregnant. Yeah. Uh, when, we, when we talk about... Um running on fats like it doesn't have to be animal fats does it like can vegetarians do this program or when we talk about fat are we talking about like animal fats or i know there are multiple kinds of fats and i'm i'm not i don't i'm not well versed in this topic well fats are a very interesting subject so animal fat is actually really really good for us but from Good sources like grass-fed beef. Right. Um, my favorite brand of butter is Kerrygold. You can see the difference in the color of the butter because of the richness of the nutrients in it. So yes and no. And then there's plant fats that are fantastic for us. And then there's plant fats that are some of the most inflammatory foods we consume. Huh. So the answer is definitely not plants versus animals. Okay. Good animal versus when I say animal, like meats and animal fats from a regenerative source. Um, I don't know if I can hit a promo, but I'm going to say butcher box is a great source or your local farm. Those farm raised animals that are, good for the environment because of the regenerative culture that they create are fantastic. The like big chicken producers, I won't name any names, but those aren't ideal for us. When it comes to plant fats and foods, it has the same sort of thing. Avocados, macadamia nuts, stuff like that. Coconut. Coconut is one of the most powerful foods we can eat. Oh, good. I'm glad you said that. I love coconut milk. Gone with the coconut. Um, are fantastic for us, but our other oils are the most inflammatory foods we eat, and Can those are canola would, oil, right? Corn oil. Corn oil. Yes. Oil and canola. Yeah, I got I got it right. I said canola. Those are like trans fats, right? Yes. Um, margarine is basically oh, the yeah. it's like eating plastic and it, your body's expected to to digest that. 
What was the middle one you said, Jesse? Soybean oil. Soybean oil. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Um, okay. So now how, how did you develop this program, the six weeks to transformation? Talk to us a little bit about this. So you're, you, you have this background in exercise science. You have this background in interest in nutrition. Um, what, what got you thinking? I want to develop a program here and how did you do it? I guess things just evolve in a way that they are supposed to evolve from a power bigger than ourselves. Um, I was, I did a lot of anything that comes along that I research or read. I'm like, well, let me see how my body reacts to that. Let me try this. So there's been a lot of trial and error within myself. Um, I attend, uh, fantastic conference called metabolic health summit where the researchers are presenting their information um cardiologists oncologists everybody is really talking about deep down in the trenches everything metabolism and how our cells react to it and how disease is created or mitigated um so i do a lot with that um, and work with my clients over time, finding out what works, what doesn't. Um, and then another thing that I did is I looked at all the programs out there and I won't name any, but there's many who have point systems or you buy their food in monthly amounts. And I looked at where those went right. And I looked at where they went wrong. So six weeks to transformation is not just eat this, don't eat that. It is the nutrition part has been designed to trick your body into remembering that fat that it stored away forever ago, remembering how to get to it and using it. But then we deep dive into the psychological aspect of habit, self-sabotage. You know, if you're just paying a particular group or company for x y or z food they're not even coming close to what got you where you are right so there's and a little I, there's a little yeah. bit of psychological like analysis in here like what is wrong what what's going on with you in your life that might not be the healthiest let's address that let's look at those behaviors and a lot of times it comes from some random comment that you wouldn't even think sits in your subconscious but some kid said something in elementary school at the cafeteria about how you were a pig or you know just because you ate all the pizza one day mm -hmm. who kids are cruel they say stuff but stuff like that sticks in your subconscious and then you literally act like that and it's a subconscious patterning you can't help um stupid story that I usually share it makes no sense as an adult looking back in, but I always used to sort of hoard food and not let anybody see me eat. So in the fridge, I would have like leftovers and I would rearrange the leftovers. So it didn't look like I'd had any, or huh. I eat, I open the cabinet and I eat. So nobody sees me eat. I eat yeah. when nobody's around. I was like, well, this is just stupid behavior. And I actually discovered that in myself when I was overcoming some PTSD, some strong PTSD, 
which is a whole nother podcast we can get into one day, <laughs> is overcoming PTSD. Um, but I was in that process and this popped in my head and I was like, oh. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of us have this um, personal complex relationship with food. Like I know when I get upset or anxious, like the first thing I want to do is crack open that cabinet and start eating like and i find and often you know i find myself on remote control like almost like some kind of um zombie doing it right and i'm and sometimes i'll even be thinking to myself like why are you eating this do you know what i mean and like and and i'm not asking you to be my therapist jesse i'm just like i'm i'm just i'm i'm expressing i think something you probably know from working with clients like in your program 6 weeks to transformation right is that a lot of us out there men um women non-binary people like we all, we all we, yeah we all have a relationship with food and sometimes it's not a healthy one and i'd be willing to bet if you go back to somewhere in your childhood there was a traumatic event in your brain and at that point somebody gave you a cookie or a piece of candy or something to calm you down. And I would say a lot of people are probably in that same boat with you. And so that little kid brain said, food is going to calm me down when I'm stressed. Yeah. Yeah. And it was innocent in whoever did it. They were trying to help, but that got stuck on like a, endless record player loop food calms me down makes me feel better food calms me down makes me feel better and that link got made in your brain and still plays out and another great book is the power of habit if you want to dig deeper but one of the things that i do teach is habits like that don't actually break you replace so when you are feeling that when you open the cabinet the the stress is the trigger right and then your behavior is opening the cabinet so when you feel the trigger cut off my hands (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) say that yes Now you find something else, say, okay, it takes me 10 minutes to sit here and scarf down whatever I was about to scarf down. I'm going to go for a 10 minute walk or whatever the case may be. Go, I call it the kitchen protection program, the KPP. (laughs) (laughs) You got to protect yourself from the kitchen Um, and just find some other behavior. I don't know if, um, and one of the things for me is, you know, just, I hate to say it, but call your mom. Do something that's going to distract you for that amount of time to let that moment where that trigger hits settle itself down like a kid. Let it settle down. And then if you're still actually hungry, then you right. can go get eat. But if it's an emotional reason you're opening that cabinet, you have to identify what your substitute behavior is going to be like plan it ahead of time 
when this happens, I will do Y instead of X. Yeah. So picking up that substitute behavior is the biggest thing. And I don't know if it's 10 jumping jacks, whatever it is, is just stopping that endless loop in its tracks is the most important thing. And so is this, is this the type of thing you will work with um, clients on once they engage you for the six weeks of transformation program? You, you have a, do you have these types of conversations like, okay, what, you know, what's going on in your life? Like how, how what are your what, what are the, your perceived unhealthy eating habits? Like what's troubling you? And like, is that, does that happen like early in the program? Like walk us through how, when it, how, when somebody comes to you and says, I want to do the six weeks of transformation, do you, do you start with like, like conversation like this? And then you begin to develop a plan. Like how does it work for people? So the six weeks of transformation is a group program because I think oh. group or is so vital because we all know how easy it is to let yourself off the hook. Oh, it's today's fine. I don't need to do this today. And then tomorrow happens and gradually you're off the hook. So the group program, you know, similar to taking from AA, you got people you can call. You post on the face. We have a private Facebook group. Hey, I'm struggling today. Or hey, I fit in my tight pants today that I haven't worn in three years. Like, So we celebrate each other's wins, but we're there for each other on the support of the downtimes as well. And the first week is really all about learning what foods I want you to eat on which days. Okay. And there's an extensive list. It's not like you're stuck with chicken and broccoli for six weeks. There's a very extensive list for certain days and then followed by a pretty extensive list for the next three days. And so I manipulate your biochemistry. So the first week is learning what foods I want you to have, what ingredients to avoid because food companies are very sneaky on their ingredients. Corn which, syrup. They put that corn syrup in everything. Everything. I know and that. Even this is a side note, but even the, maltodextrin mm-hmm. and gross. you go buy stevia in the raw for example thinking you're doing great by buying stevia i love that stuff stevia is fine yeah but the problem is they mix it with dextrose which is a higher glycemic index than table sugar what yes but you don't know that no talk to me <laughs> i didn't know Good thing we don't use stevia. I've dumped that stuff in my um, drink a million times yeah, thinking you don't, I was doing a good thing. But you don't drink that anymore. Not anymore, but, but I have. To Truvia. You're good with Truvia or Whole Earth. Those two brands you're good to go with. But that's the thing. I teach people all the sneaky things to look for in the labels to avoid. And like you said, soybean, canola, and corn and corn syrup and corn syrup solids and now there's a new term out there called invert sugar Mm. that they like to sneak in there because we all know high fructose corn syrup is bad for us so we're going to rename it into something else so these silly consumers don't know what the hell they're doing and bastards i know they're really fucktards to be honest with you (laughs) um (laughs) 
so I teach people that on the front end. Okay. And in week two, we start the deep dive. Each week has a theme. So week two is where we really dig into the habits and the self-sabotage. Usually week one, that's not going to really come into play because you're so focused on what Jesse said I need to do. So you're so focused. So then we hit it in week two before those thoughts start to creep into your subconscious and start Pandora's box opening up a little bit. Um, and there's something else out there I want to talk about too. That's not just like somebody handed you candy when you were upset. Yes, that is something we need to address, but there's something else as well. A lot of people have been through abusive situations. Yeah. Mostly, I will say mostly sexual abuse situations will lead to weight gain and weight retention. Because in your brain, your brain is trying to be protective of you. And if you've been through those situations, your brain is saying, I don't want to be attractive. And your body responds accordingly. Hmm. And granted, I am not saying that somebody who is heavier is not attractive. I am not saying that. I promise you that. What I am saying is your brain is saying that. And so if I triggered somebody, I'm sorry, but I'm just saying what your brain has done. And unfortunately, you need to dig into that psychological Pandora's box and address that abuse. But I have found that. So I'm putting that out there for some listeners because I know that probably just touched somebody or multiple somebodies. Um, and you yo-yo, you can't lose, you struggle with every program you've ever done. And until you realize the connection of A and B, no program will help you. So that's why, and I talk about my own situation. Um, that goes with the PTSD thing that right. I was telling you, different podcast, which we can talk about. Um, yeah, and, but, I th- and, and I think I think other people too listening to this, like um, people probably who have been through other other types of. Um, abuse that leads to PTSD could probably also relate to that, right? Like they will turn to food for comfort. Um, You know, I I know that certainly has been a pattern I've engaged in, you know, over the years um, at various points in my life, from my adolescence through my adulthood, you know, Um, you know, from a, uh, you know, an incredibly emotionally abusive upbringing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, to my, you know, to my knowledge, I didn't experience, you know, other types of abuse. Um, but so, but I, so yeah, your own food was your only safety at that point. Yeah. And when you look back at the hierarchy of needs, pretty sure that was Maslow. Um, mm-hmm. Maslow's hierarchy of needs between that age of one, zero and seven love was really love and safety were your primary needs and they weren't met. So the only thing there for you was food. So food became love. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. 
Because it's a, it's a thing that keeps us, you know, it's a thing that keeps us alive, right? Mm-hmm. Food, I think so, Stomping Jen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's comforting. And so yeah, so we turn to it in those in those in those times when we feel we need it. Why is it comforting? Again, because in that early, early, early age, up to the age of seven, that was your only comfort because if you were in a very toxic household, people were dangerous. Food never hurt you. Food was always safe. And so that's where your little child brain made that connection that food was your only safety at that point. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that that 100% resonates with me um, for sure. So and a lot of them out there too, I'm sure. Yeah. So in that, so in that second week, I mean, you work with people and attempt to try to, um, you work with them to try to uncover some of these, some of these, um, maybe traumas and experiences that might be leading to unhealthy uh, food habits. Right. Yep. And I, you know, this is a group environment, but if people, and I'm very wide open, I said, if you feel comfortable in sharing, we're all supportive and we'll help you. But if you don't feel comfortable in spilling your beans out on Facebook message me directly and I'll work with you directly um, on because you know I know what I've been through um, but there's some pretty rough stuff that people have dealt with in their life and spilling it in a group environment is not always their comfort level so but one thing also is just literally acknowledging where that is like what you just told me you may not have realized why food was always a comfort to you until this conversation potentially maybe you did maybe you didn't yeah i mean i've 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 spent a lot of time in in therapy so (laughs) and i use this podcast as therapy so (laughs) partly so um and i may not represent uh the 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 typical um listener male or typical listener um you know but present you think you do from what i do i hear a lot about a lot of people and i think you're more representative than you think yeah and that's good i mean that's good to hear that you know mm-hmm. not not that a lot of other people out there you know suffered abuse but that you know we're not alone and i think that's the importance of a group program you know i i like I was glad to hear that you do it as a group. So what happens in week three? Like, where do we go? Where do we go after this um, week two, which, you know, might challenge some people. Oh, I guarantee you will some people like Mm -hmm. true growth comes from some pain, you know, um, unfortunately that's how the transformations really come from, digging deep yeah not the superficial stuff otherwise the superficial stuff would have worked for you before my program yeah and um so then week three believe it or not at that that point is when i get into exercise again i've thrown a lot at you and um you 
the mountain is a little too big for some people to climb if I throw all of it at you. Like, change all this food. Then we're going to talk about all your demons. And then, oh, by the way, let's add all this exercise to it as well. So we don't get, if you're already doing a regimen of some sort, fantastic, rock on, keep going. But I have some people who haven't done anything at all before the program. So we are, um, then I teach why you need the weight training, why you need what they each do, how much, and they are very different in what they do in your bodies. So for example, to all my lady listeners out there, you need weight training, ladies, okay? Muscle mass is basically the engine that is going to keep your metabolism rocking and rolling. Secondarily, your bone mass is directly related to your muscle mass. So if you want to avoid osteopenia and osteoporosis, weight training is a necessity for you. Okay. It is not just becoming about like Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) So... I'm, I only do cardio. I should be doing some weight training. I tell you this all the time. Huh. But you're, she's talking to women right now. Yeah, but you don't have a program, so I don't listen to you. <laughs> I'm listening to Jesse. Go ahead. Okay. For my dudes out there, let me clarify this. For my dudes out there, also, muscle mass is your metabolism engine. Look at that. What? Look at that. <laughs> Look at that, because all he does is cardio, and he doesn't do any weight training. Okay. All right. I'm learning. I'm learning. Okay. But that's what I'm here for. I'm here to teach you. So, and when it comes to weight training, it is very site-specific. So, you have to train your whole body. You say, oh, no, I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) But you can't just say, hey, I walk, so my legs get work. Yeah doesn't work that way Um, isn't that funny yeah 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 if you do a bicep curl your arm bone is going to positively get stronger yeah your leg bone is not conversely if you walk there's (laughs) a lot see the look on his face right now (laughs) (laughs) i wish they do or not but yeah Okay. Yeah. Message message Um, received. Got it. (laughs) All right. So, um, so week three, we're looking at exercise and we're Mm -hmm. working with people and figuring out what they need to do. You know, weight training, cardio, the whole package, stretching, the whole package. Yeah. That's what we have to focus on. Right. Not just one. Right. Okay. Repetitive exercise every day. Okay. What, what, what comes after this? Where do we go in week four? Where do we go? At that point, we start talking about supplements. Okay. And there's a reason I hold out on people on the supplement side of things. Because by this point, most people have dropped five to 10 pounds, give or take, by week four. And more like I've, it's usually more, but I'm even hesitant to say 
that because I don't want to set anybody up for failure. But I've had people lose about 13 by then. Like it's starting to really kick. If you had a lot of inflammation that is also going with fat loss, you've lost a lot by this fourth week. So I needed people to see the power of the food choices and how it impacted their body. Not how a supplement made them lose fat or lose right. weight. Yeah, because you've heard, I mean, I can remember a couple of scandals around some of these like fat burning supplements from like 10, 15 fen- years ago. Fen- those, yeah. Yeah, Fen Fen, was that what it was called? I, don't I know. think Speed. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they put you on speed and called yeah. it a weight loss. Right, but that's not that's that is not what we're doing here, right? No. Okay. In um, the supplements, I recommend um, enhance the results, but the results are not dependent on them. Um, and I'm also very specific in when I created this program. You can buy all the food you need at Walmart. You can buy it at Stop and Shop or Kroger, whatever your your grocery store is. You don't have to buy any special products. You don't have to buy any special potions. You don't have to auto ship anything special that piles up with like nine months of protein powders or anything like that. You can, it is accessible to literally everybody. Okay. Um, and again, that's why. I give you supplements that I recommend to enhance your health, but aren't required. I think that's important. Supplements are only there to enhance what you already have going. They are not a band-aid to fix what you have going. Okay. I think that's important to emphasize. There's no magic pill is basically what I'm saying here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so many people think they're just going to walk into GNC, right, and like buy a bottle of something and and set themselves straight, right? They don't think about they don't think about um, diet, you know, overall diet. They don't think about behavior. They don't think about exercise, you know. And that so this is just what do they sell at GNC? GNC? Oh, they sell all that like that crap that I was talking about before, like that that. Um, hold on, let me be careful. Um, I don't want to get sued. Um, I, 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 I don't remember whether or not they actually sell that crap I was talking about before. Um, so let me just say that. Um, I don't know what crap you're talking um, about. They sell just all sorts of like diet supplements, exercise supplements, just like diet diets in a bottle, basically, is, basically. My, is my impression of the type of stuff they sell. My okay. opi- it's my opinion of the type of stuff they sell. Okay. Yeah. You're not too... You're not too far off. Um, I haven't been in there and scoured labels recently, but I can you. There's probably some of the stuff that I said to avoid in their products. Yeah. It's like, had- yeah, like stuff with like labels like thermogenic crusher. What? Like stuff thermogenic like that. Crusher. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's week, week four. Um, uh, we're working on looking at maybe some supplements um, to help us out. What what happens in f- weeks five and six? Where are we going? F- where are we going next? 
where we go with that is what the hell we do after the program. Okay. So we're beginning a, a plan to continue healthy right. habits. Okay. Uh, and one of the things, so there's some things that I built into this program. Again, I looked at a bazillion programs in the process and I tried to clear some of the speed bumps in the others. And so after week one, once I've really affected your biochemistry and turned you into a fat burning machine again, then after that for weeks two through six, I give you two free passes a week to eat whatever you can have all the mimosas and brunch or tacos and margaritas and the one, like literally whatever it is you want two free passes a week because I'm wanting this to be your lifestyle, not a quick fix program. And I find adherence is better when you know it's okay. Friday, I can be really good on this Wednesday because I know Friday night I'm going to go out and enjoy myself. Right. Or Sunday brunch is coming. I get to have all the French toast and whatever else that I want with the mimosa and or play Mary or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, so I do build that in there, but then I teach them what we do after the six weeks. And if you've gotten to the body composition that you wanted, and I say that because I, the term weight is stupid, like, because everybody's built different. So weight is just a stupid metric, but um, you get to the body composition you want where you don't have the muffin top and you don't have the bra fat rolling over and <laughs> all the things. Um, you just keep going with the program and I have an alumni program. So for no extra charge, because that's another thing that these other companies, unless you're paying them the dollar, you're not important to them anymore. We have an alumni group um facilitated by a friend of mine who went through the first round i'm still in there i'm still answering people's questions i'm still checking up on people and engaging but she's doing the day-to-day of the the running and the posting and the recipes and all that that is up in there but i think that group environment is super powerful and you know unfortunately people around us tend to pull us down or up they're either really supportive of you or they tend to be super non-supportive of you. So I think having that continual group of supportive people who are going through it with you is like, I, I can't say, but just how important that is to turn to and to keep. So each group of graduates gets put into the alumni program. So the alumni group is growing bigger and bigger and bigger. Never charge a dime extra for that because this is my way to serve humanity. Yeah. Um, And before, before we were, uh, before we started recording, you were telling us about a goal you have um, in relation to like a specific, uh, you know, a starting point you want to get to for people you want to help a number of people. Do you want to talk about that? In one of my meditative binaural beat moments in the car, um, the number came to me. I need to help 10,000 people get healthy 
that they can really enjoy their life and their grandkids and their eventually great grandkids. So I've been called to help 10,000 people. Hmm. The best health that they can. Yeah. So how do people get in touch with you if they're interested in exploring the program? What's the best way for people to start the conversation with you about whether or not this is the right approach for them? Sure. They can go to, I have testimonials and a way to contact me on visionarywellness.info. And they can follow me on Instagram. And you can always DM me that way at jessie. Oh, J-E-S-S-I dot cush c-u-s-h three 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 is my instagram and then i'll spell the name because it's a crazy one jess j-e-s-s last name cushionberry c-u-s-h-e-n-b-e-r-r-y on facebook you can follow me there as well i'm always posting information on sweeteners to find and good oils, bad oils, recipes on my Instagram and my Facebook. If people want to just stalk me there, they can do that as well. Yeah. And we'll put, we'll put all of the links to these things in our show notes. So people, yeah. So people who are listening to this, um, you know, you know where to go, just go to our show notes and all the links will be here. You can go and click on them and see them. Um, Now, Jesse, I, I also wanted to ask you, you, you have, visionary foods right and you sell on that through that website you you do sell some um it looks like you know like snacks maybe to help support people who are in the program they're not required for the program but they are you know if you're looking for a um i don't know what to call it like a um a not a keto snack um it is a keto snack okay but even people who aren't keto love them so again i was saying about how shitty the food industry is yeah i created products for myself that weren't shitty but then (laughs) clients were like so what are we supposed to eat and i was like well i make this stuff so that blossomed out of my training basically Mm. yeah and there's um so there's looks like there's some granolas on there. Um, there are called and uh, low carb granola that is all natural, and everybody compares it to one cereal, and it's Cracklin Oat Bran. These little yeah. squares are like that is what when I sell it at like farmers markets, everybody's like, God, this reminds me of crackling oat bread. So that is the cereal. Everybody says it tastes like. I used to love that stuff. I could eat that by the box. Mm. Stomping Jen. That is good stuff. All right. So, so people, you can go there and look at that too. We'll have the links. Um, but, and you also, I thought this was interesting. Um, you sell also, um, some CBD products. So, um, that's the non-psychoactive component of the cannabis plant that has, in, in studies at least that I'm familiar with, have been shown to be anti-inflammatory, uh, stress-relieving, and some other uh, desirable properties. But it doesn't get you high, let's just say that. Um, but they are 
some looks like you have some lotions and some um what else would a bath bomb yeah so i created again everything just kind of evolves in its own way i created the pain cream because i'm a busy person and i'm usually multitasking and i had poured boiling water down my leg Ooh. and i had secondary secondary burns on my whole calf like this stuff was everywhere and so i looked up natural healing ingredients um and it was actually before cbd was available so this was a long time ago this was actually my first product yeah and i started selling it at farmers markets so it's got msm it's got capsaicin it has black willow bark, which is the natural source of salicylic acid, which is what aspirin is derived from. So I have a lot of different healing ingredients in a coconut oil base um, because coconut's actually very healing as well. And then when CBD came available, I was like, well, what the hell? Let me just add another healing ingredient in there. Yeah. So that's how it evolved. But people would put it on their hands and say, wait, what did you just give me? Like it already feels better. Like people with really bad arthritis in their hands. I've had people with lupus and MS even say that it helped them. So Mm. again, sort of evolved. Like I didn't set out and go, I'm going to create things. It's just the universe said, here you go. You are an alchemist. Make this. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have to like rent like, this is a stupid question. Do you have to rent like lab space or like commercial kitchen space, like to develop these products, like go in there and just mess around for a while till you get what you want? Well, on the development side of things, I just do that in my own kitchen. Okay. Remember all of these things I've just created for myself on the front end. So yes, my kitchen is my little laboratory. Um, my test testers are my two children. Uh, <laughs> when it passed their taste test, I know I've got the recipe correct. Um, but yes, I do rent a commercial kitchen space to actually make the stuff and put it on the shelves and package it. Cool. That's so interesting. I don't think I could ever develop a food. Stomping Jen. Okay. Should I try? Well, that, no. No. Okay. She's keeping me in my lane. It could be a curry. Stick to podcasting, Sawtooth. You can make curry. Oh, you don't like my curry. I do like your curry. It does contain coconut milk, Jesse. There you go. Yes, that is. uh, That's what I use as the dairy base: coconut milk. Mm. Um, you're also so this episode's going to release after you uh, make this appearance, but I wanted to mention it. You're going to be a major speaker at something called KetoCon in July of 2022. Is that still happening? It is still happening. Um, I will be on the fitness panel as well as having Visionary Foods booth. So I have both. Um, And I have been incredibly honored. When we first started talking, I hadn't gotten this opportunity yet. So this is a new-ish thing. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Dave Asprey mm-hmm. and coffee. Have you heard of Bulletproof Coffee at all? Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah, I've heard of that. Okay. 
he is considered the father of biohacking. He created Bulletproof Coffee, um, created all the Bulletproof things, has now sold the actual Bulletproof name. But he is considered the father of biohacking, which is basically any trick you can do to make the human optimal, which is a term for biohacking. And the idea with the Bulletproof Coffee, let me see if I... My- popular culture knowledge is up to snuff. Um, I think the idea with that is you combine the coffee with um, some kind of fat, right? Like a healthy fat, like a good, like like a high quality uh, grass fed butter or something. And it binds the caffeine molecules and it releases them a little more slowly, like over time. Do I have it right? I don't know. That's part of it, but also it helps do what I'm talking about as far as triggering your own body to burn fat. Um, if you do that as well as eating the donut, that's not going to work. <laughs> you had me okay? donut. I, I know. I was like, oh, we get to eat donuts. No. Well, you, <laughs> you are a, your own human. And you can have whatever you want, Jen. <laughs> All right. But having said that, um, that is part of the bulletproof and, and biohacking is keto tends to be part of that biohacking culture because the brain fog goes away. The brain operates on the ketones for fuel better than glucose. Um, little side note for you, you might not have heard, and I hope I'm the first to bring it to you. Alzheimer's is now classified as type three diabetes. I hadn't heard that. Yes, because your brain stops using glucose. And what they've done is they've given these people a ketone ester, which is like the most potent ketone possible that you can take externally. Brain centers light up under the EEG that had gone dormant. Hmm. That is some pretty powerful information. So by eating keto... Your brain is living on ketones instead of, so there is definitely a genetic component to Alzheimer's. So don't get me wrong on that, but it can be mitigated and lessened by following a low carbohydrate slash ketogenic approach. Yeah. And I think I've also, I think I recently also heard that, um, Alzheimer and other forms of dementia are like um, linked to having less sleep. Um, and this goes into this whole thing about trying to lead as healthy a lifestyle as possible, right? Um, so if you're um, if you're eating, you know, if you're eating better and your body is kind of at its optimal place for health, right? Recognizing that looks different for everybody, right? Um, you're sleeping good. Um, you know, maybe all of those things combined can help. You're increasing your muscle mass. No, yeah. no, we're skipping that one. We're skipping muscle mass for you. But <laughs> um, yeah, so, I've, yeah, go ahead. I've had people come to me and say, what is the sleep program I've heard so-and-so talk about? So, well, it's actually not a sleep program, but everybody's sleep has magically improved. And I took sleep for granted because I sleep like a baby. 
Right. And when I created this program, literally in the first round, everybody's like, oh, my God, I'm sleeping like a baby. I didn't sleep before. I didn't sleep through the night. And so the food impacts so much of that. And then mm. sleep impacts so much of your health. So it's a cycle mm. that can go or go right. And we want it to go right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um so Jesse, where where do you want to where do you want to kind of take this? Um, we we've talked about your goal of helping ten thousand folks um, be healthier and kind of um, through through your six weeks to transformation program. Where do you where do you see it going over the next you know years? How are you going to drive this um, to to get to your goal? I am so proud to say. Literally every single person in this current round that started last Wednesday, every single one of them is because they saw somebody else go through the program. Word every of one of them. Um, and that, I mean, takes words away from me almost because I don't need to sell a program that sells itself, so to speak, in other people's transformations. The transformations speak for themselves. Um, but one thing that, again, this is like an ever-evolving process. I'm actually working on bringing this onto a corporate wellness level. So if anyone is listening, on here who happens to be CEO, decision maker, running their own business, entrepreneur, um, because healthy employees are far more productive employees and they're far less costly on your bottom line. A healthy employee costs an employer $6,000. A highly risky health-wise employee costs $25,000. Yeah, that's a huge difference. So I really want to bring this to a corporate wellness level and have people working with me to facilitate that through that avenue, as well as running the current, you know, groups that I'm doing now that are the word of mouth type groups. Yeah. And, I, and you know, I think the traditional office place would be a great place for a, a program that encourages um health and wellness right mm -hmm. like i i can't tell you how many times um i've been doing well with my eating and somebody brings in uh two, two dozen donuts and then i walk i you know spend all day walking by that box do they then, call to you then finally i give in do you uh, what I'm saying, what I'm, what I'm saying is, I don't think a lot of us traditionally think of the office as a healthy place, right? And like a place where we can be supported in our, in our maybe broader goals to eat better and exercise more. And I, I think this is an admirable goal of trying to um, move office culture to be more supportive of people who want to be healthier. I mean, just for the reasons you said, Jesse, right. Um, I'm also a union president, right. In my, 
other life outside of the podcast. And I'm like, I'm all for employers doing stuff to um, improve the quality of their employees' lives, right? And I think, like, like, we've, t- like we've talked about eating healthier and exercising and, and, and understanding our own behaviors are all things that can help us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so when a, a company does bring that to their employees, it shows not just a bottom line, okay, you're going to cost me less money on the healthcare side of things. It shows that they care about the employee. Yeah. yeah. Employee is going to, in turn, work harder for that employer. Yeah. When the time comes for a project to be due, all hands will be on deck versus, eh, you know, they don't care about me, so why am I going to bother bust this out? Right. Yeah. Healthier culture. I'm all for it. Come all on. right. All right, Jesse, we're going to lead into our last two questions. Um, and these are, these are, you know, they're not exactly related um, to, to what you're doing. They're kind of the fun questions we like to end on every episode. Um, all right. So we know you're, we know you're working hard on developing um, the six weeks or not developing it, but um, getting the six right. weeks to transformation out there to people and working with people. And um, you have visionary foods and what do you like to do? Um, not related to any of that stuff for fun and to kind of reconnect to yourself and decompress all that stuff. Uh, hanging out with my kids and anything, including sun and or water. Mm. <laughs> so paddle boarding, um, beach, if I can get away to the beach, if I can't, I just sit in my backyard with my feet in the grass if that's what it, that's all I have time for, then that's what I do. Um, nice. Yeah. All right. Connect, connect. Sounds like connect to nature and uh, family. That's what yeah. I'm hearing. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, so Jesse, we ask everyone this question um, and we, we always get a, a range of answers. So um, what have you experienced that you can't explain? What's, what's an enduring mystery in your life? Oh, it can be any kind of mystery. It could be supernatural. We've had people who have said they've seen UFOs, ghosts. We've had people say, I just can't figure out why I'm here on this planet. You know, anything at all. As I told you, I know pretty much why I'm here on this planet. I made that clear Mm -hmm. in the beginning. Um, I do have a very creepy intuition. I'm bordering on psychic, but I don't. No, like I am not psychic in the sense that I know what you're thinking right now, this second, I will say something or I'll sing something and people are like, why are you in my head? Get out of my head. You know? So. Mm. All right. That's a superpower, I guess. I just know what's, (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I believe I believe I'm I'm coming as I maybe I'm just getting older and searching for meaning. Uh stomping Jen, Jesse. I'm I'm starting I'm starting to believe more in the the things uh the, I'm starting to believe there's a some of these things we've considered to be supernatural or mythological or have more reality to them. Let me just say that. Like 
psychic stuff. Anyways, that's, I'm just going to say that. I'm just, I'm way to vague. Not the jet, not, not that Jesse is seeking my validation, but I'm just I'm just adding that on mm-hmm, is my mm-hmm. own observation. I've been talking about it more and more on the podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Stopping Jen's looking at me, Jesse, like I gotta run out of here. He's losing it. Um all right. <laughs> um Jesse, was there anything that we failed to chat about you wanted to make sure we talked about? No, just that I appreciate you guys so much for having me on. Um, really trying to help fulfill my mission and helping me get it out there it just means the world to me so i appreciate your time and having me on yeah thanks for thanks, thanks for, for coming on thanks for coming on and talking with us um people people listening to this listeners <laughs> i know you're out there um so here's some things i want to say if you're coming to us for the first time um because um you know jesse and you're listening to this or you're you know, you're interested um, in the program, do me a favor. Um, find the subscribe or follow button in your favorite podcast app and follow our program, uh, download our episodes. Uh, we're we're going to continue to have really interesting guests on. Also, uh, every other week, it's just Stomping Jen and I. We sit down and talk. So if this is the first time you're hearing us. We um, don't always have conversations with guests. Um, sometimes just me and Jen, and those are interesting and fun episodes too. So you have those to look forward to. Um, everybody else, what what do we say, Stomping Jen? What? what do we need to tell people? We love you. No. What? I can't remember. That's why I'm Share asking. Share with a friend. Yeah, yeah. Give us tell- a review. Engage yeah. with us on social media. Yes, yes, yes. All if the you're, things. If you're a listener and you haven't yet shared us with a friend, do that. Please. Right? Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, leave us comments on social media. You will see. I will respond. I do respond. Um, what else? We said it all already. All right. Uh, Stomping Jen wants to end this uh, conversation. So I will oblige uh, people. Um, Jesse, do you want to say goodbye to people in your own special way? <laughs> We're going to say goodbye now to our to our listeners. So however you like to say goodbye, please. Hey, bye. All right. <laughs> it's close to the way we do it. Stomping Jen, yes. you're next. Bye now. All right, people. Um, you heard Stomping Jen. You heard Jesse, and I will give the final, ultimate, pent-ultimate, bye now. This world of ours, ever growing smaller. Um, an emergency interruption. <laughs> uh, Stomping Jen just informed me that Pentultimate is the one. Penultimate bef- is the one before what? It's the one before the last one. Oh well, um, I guess the previous by now was the Pentultimate oh by now. God. This is the final by now. Okay, bye, bye now. This world of ours ever growing smaller, must avoid becoming a community of dreadful fear and hate. Those who have freedom will understand also its heavy responsibility. That all who are insensitive to the needs of others will learn charity. And that the sources, scourges of poverty, 
disease, and ignorance will be made disappear from the earth. And that in the goodness of time, all peoples will come to live together in a peace guaranteed by the binding force of mutual respect and love. I shall never cease to do what little I can to help the world advance along that road.